everyone. Welcome to the My Nights Are Booked podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and I am so excited today to bring you an interview that I did with the one and only Christy Bromberg. She is the author of the Driven series, the Play Hard series, and the brand new series. She has a brand new series. First book just came out this week. It's called Last Resort, and it's the first book in the Sin series, and that's S-I-N. Uh, which stands for something very important. Uh, If you've read the book, then you know what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. We get into it in our conversation, but um, I've been looking forward to having a conversation with Christy for a while now, and and it was so nice to be able to finally have a chat and, um, you know, be able to talk about her new book and this new series that she has. And, Trust me, we talked a lot about Driven, and we have a lot to uh, say because the third season of Driven is coming in May, and um, she's she's had a chance to see it. Obviously, she's not going to spoil anything for us, but she had some insight and was able to talk about kind of how, you know, how it came together and some, you know, just there's some really fun stories in there. And um, what I really enjoyed about this conversation is that you get a really keen insight into how her books come together, how she puts them together, how she comes up with characters and how she comes up with these stories. And if you've read any of her books, you know that her she has some of the, the best character development out there. And she has these amazingly complex and complicated characters, you know, very strong alpha males and some, you know, her, all of her, her, her heroines are just incredibly smart, incredibly strong and together they've had some really crazy things happen to them. And so when they come together, their worlds collide and that's where all the fun begins. And we saw that with Colton and Riley. We've seen that with all of the characters in the Play Hard series. And now we get to see it with Callahan Sharp and Sutton Pierce. And they are the stars of Last Resort. Now, I have to say, I kind of alluded to this in the uh, in the interview, and you'll hear me talk about this, but every time one of my favorite authors comes in and introduces a new series or a new book, it really makes me excited because you know, if, if you follow their work, you know what you can kind of expect. And, and even though you don't know what the actual story is, and you don't know all the twists and the turns and all of the you know the fun things that make us want to read these stories, you kind of know, based on who the author is, what to expect. And I have to say that I was not disappointed with this new book and I'm very excited to see where, where it goes. And it's a, it's the first book in a trilogy. It's going to, the second book is coming out in June and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, we also, at the end of the conversation, you'll hear us talk a little bit about uh, the Padres because we're both San Diegans. And so we have to, you know, we have to talk about our, our Padres and, uh, so yeah, it's a really fun conversation and it was so much fun just, you know, just being able to have a chat. And, uh, you know, I promise you this won't be the only time that we speak. We will be speaking as we get closer to Driven Season 3 in May and as this new book's, uh, the second book in her new series comes out in June. So this is kind of the, if you want to call it part one, we can call it part one of my conversation with Christy Bromberg. And I hope you enjoy it. This is, uh, and like I said, the book is available now. Read it. Let me know what you think. I really want to know what you think because I had a lot of fun with this book. It's it's so interesting and the way it comes together is so fascinating. And there's a reason that I'm not talking about the, the details of it because it's kind of, it plays into how the book is 
the, the structure of the book and how it, it the, the action plays out. So I don't want to give too much away. So you'll hear a little bit about it in our conversation. And, um, you know, if you haven't read it, make sure you go and get a copy of it and um, let me know what you think. And thank you for listening as always. And enjoy, enjoy the podcast. Here's my interview with Christy Bromberg. Okay, so today I am so excited to be talking to Christy Bromberg, who is the author of so many of our beloved stories. She is the author of the Driven Trilogy, the Play Hard series, and so many other books that we just absolutely love. And for Passion Flix fans, we know that uh, that Driven Season 3 is coming in May, and it's going to be explosive, I think, would be a good word to, to describe what's coming. And um her stories are just so fabulous and full of the most interesting, intricate characters imaginable. And today we're going to be talking about her new book, Last Resort, which is the first book in the Sin series. And that's S-I-N, which is important because uh, that's the company that uh, it, it's not, it's sinful, but it's, it's also sin. It's a really interesting thing. So Christy, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. All these nice words. I'm like, who are you talking about? <laughs> this has been it's so it's so funny because when when authors announce new books and in their authors that you follow and have been following it's such an interesting for me I mean I read I read so many books it, I'm, I'm surrounded by books you can and, and people send me books and I get so excited for every single book that I read but when I saw the announcement for this book I was intrigued I was so excited and I had no idea what to expect. And I just, let's get into it. I mean, let's, this, this book is, is a very, it's the first book in a new, a new series that you have. Can you tell me a little bit about Last Resort and kind of where it came from and who, who's in it? Um, this, this series is about three brothers. They're all triplets. Um, they all, so each book is a different book as a standalone book about one about each brother. And um, I was, looking to do something a little bit sexy or a little bit back more to my roots where I started. Um, and we start out with Callahan, who's, who's one brother. Um, he's kind of the not bad boy, but he's the, the reckless one, the wild one. And then we have uh, the heroine who is named Sutton, who is current, recently out of a relationship, a bad relationship. Um, and it is a one night stand trope. So, you know, we know going in there, they're going to have a one night stand and then, you know, they walk into the office the next day and, oh, look, I'm your new boss, but there's a little twist to it in, in, in my, my part of it, um, that you'll see, but it's really, um, a book about them. Um, it's a little bit of enemies to lovers. It's a little bit, um, forced proximity, but there's some depth there with her overcoming, you know, this emotional state that she was in, him dealing with the past and his brothers and some damage that has happened between them and then them working together. And because it is a one night stand trope, you know, we start off with the bang, but then we have to work backwards to make them fall in love. So that to me was fun to, you know, start off with the sexy times and then go, wait a minute, like what else is there there? Mm -hmm. um, I'm really bad at explaining my book. So forgive me. <laughs> It's no, so hard to explain. Like I can write, you know, a hundred thousand words about these characters, but to have me have to explain them, I'm like, oh God, how do I do that? No, it's it, it, what I what I absolutely love is, as you kind of hinted at, is is that it's it doesn't start in the most traditional 
way. It, it kind of, you do have that kind of working backwards thing that I think in a way it, it actually strengthens the story so much, but it, and I'm not going to, I won't, uh, I'm not going to spoil how you do it, but I thought it was so clever. I thought it was so clever how you did it because it's not something, you know, I mean, you really get detailed in yeah. how, you know, I mean, it just ticking down how all of these things came together. It's so fascinating, but it just, I mean, when, when people say it started with a bang, holy cow. And there's a double <laughs> entendre there too. Like there's a yeah. whole, there's a whole bunch there. Yeah. Well, and, um, for me, it's hard because the one night stand trope is a really hard one for me because women read as most romance readers are women, not all. And they're very forgiving of male characters and what they do, but they're not very forgiving of female characters. So when you write a one night stand trope, sometimes, you know, women put themselves in their shoes and they're like, well, I wouldn't have done that, or I wouldn't do this. And so you have to kind of work harder to make the female, the women readers like the female character. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like I said, women will forgive anything of the, of the hero. They can always redeem themselves, but women, if you write them too strong, if you write them too weak. So there's always that, that straight and narrow that you're trying to navigate to make sure that the heroine's likable. And, you know, as you say, it is such a fine line because the one, the whole one night stand trope, I mean, for a lot of people, it's, it's entirely fantasy. Like there, there are people who would say, I, I could never. I could never do it. And for other people, it's not a problem, you know, which is, yeah. which is fine. It doesn't, it doesn't matter which camp you fall into because that's your decision. And that's how you, you, you are. And that's, that's fine. But what I find really interesting about Sutton is that it's not easy for her, but it's when it's she realized, right, right. So when she realizes, you know, there is that kind of initial hesitation, but then when she gets into it and realizes, you know, what it can do for her in terms of opening, you know, opening her up and broadening her horizons and helping her to become a better person. It is, it's very empowering. Yeah, she was, she was a fun character to write. She was, I like, I like writing headstrong female characters. I like writing feisty ones, but there's also that vulnerability to her um, that she's afraid to show. So for, you know, it, it takes the course of the book take for them both to open up and have what happens happens. I have to say that I, you know, especially, especially with your books, because we have driven having, you know, having driven come to life on passion flicks, we can now imagine, you know, when you go back and reread driven, you can, you can go and watch it. So it, it's, it's passion flicks for me has really changed the way I, I, I consume stories because now it's not just imagining for the sake of imagining it's, you know, if you, if you put into the right word to the passion flicks team, like that book could become something yeah. like it, it, it's incredible to think of how easy that, you know, this has become and that this is, this is the reality that fans live in. It's, it's a wonderful thing, but I have to say reading this story made me really, really hope and pray that this story becomes a movie <laughs> For the casting alone, like yeah. just just to know how they would pull off being able to get brothers like that. That I did, and obviously there's a lot of stories that deal with family and and brothers, but but this one, man, this would be a fun casting. This would be fun to cast. It would. It would definitely be fun. <laughs> oh, now my mind's going. <laughs> 
because this was I, I just I, I just I, I can see it. it but you know more than anything though I it's it all of the elements are there I mean there's so many I, I think you know Callahan's vulnerability would be so much fun to see as a story I'm and learn, yeah. you know, I'm constantly reminded I was just I was just talking with um with someone from Gabriel's Rapture about something that Michael Rourke said at the Driven season two premiere about how, how much he had learned just as a, as a man working with Tosca and working with passion flicks and, and really understanding, you know, what these stories are about and, and why, you know, and saying, you know, he, that he, he appreciates things so, so much more and, and, and he yeah. learned so much from reading stories like this. And, and with Callahan, you know, you bring that out so well that, you know, that this is someone who's very self-assured, but the moment that things start slipping and the moment he starts kind of embracing his family, who he is, yeah, yeah the, you know, it, which is, you know, it's, it, you don't want it to be cliche and it certainly isn't cliche in, in, in your story. That's what I love so much is that it's not, you know, like, oh, he gets feelings and then all of a sudden he starts, you know, turns into this, this different person. It's, he's struggling. I mean, there's a lot of trauma for both of them, which I think is really empowering to be able to say, you know, this is someone who, you know, he needs to kind of learn. He needs to take that, that time to, to be reflective and introspective to learn about himself. Yeah. I think it's important to have three-dimensional characters. Um, most of my characters in all of my books, I always say like, I write romance with a little bit of real, because I think mm -hmm. the little bit of real allows readers to connect more, um, you know, in, in last resorts case, his, their father has, has passed away. The triplets father has passed away, you know, previous to the book and they're dealing with the aftermath of that. Um, and I think everyone can relate to that in some way, you know, everyone has had a loss. Everyone has regretted something they've done. Everyone's dealt with a familial bond that's, that's, you know, stressed. So for me, I like to write things that, um, you know, my hero always has a plot line. My heroine always has a plot line and then they have one together. And if you don't see growth from a character from start to finish, then to me, it's not a good book. You know, it's not one I, I want to read. I want to be, feel like I'm in the room with them. I want to see their struggle and only in overcoming those things are they able to love. So for me, I mean, that sounds so like head in the clouds, but that's romance, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For you, do you, you know, could, could you talk a little bit about, you know, do, do the characters come first? Do the, does the story come first? Like, how do you, how do you create, because obviously this is the first book in a trilogy. So you have to have a little bit more than just an idea for a story. It, it, it kind of grows into this, this kind of, it's like a little multiverse that you create yeah. with every, every series. So there's so many elements to it, but does it, do you start with the characters? Do you start with an idea? Is it a bit of both? You know, every series is different. Every book I write is different. Sometimes characters are more prominent, like in the Driven series, Colton was just there and I wrote from that. Um, in this series, I and, and that was important because it's a, it was an actual series where you had to read straight through. Um, in this new series, it's there are three standalones. You can read them out of order um, when they're done. It, it's better to read them in order, but you know, each one's gonna be, it's, it's a, a complete book, so it's okay. Um, I knew I wanted to do Brothers. I knew I wanted to do um, a corporation, something that they're involved in. And that was about it. Um, obviously it's, you know, they're 
very rich men. So that could be an element to it, but I like to mess around with tropes. I like, you know, my favorites to write are enemies to lovers, um, second chance romance. So each, you know, besides the, the, you know, the billionaire romance trope, every book is going to have a different theme to it. Um, but I went in writing last resort, not knowing what the other two brothers stories are going to be like. Um, and so I just finished the second book writing it and it was a struggle for me because I was like, okay, it's kind of a blank slate. What do I do? Um, but for the most part, I go in, sometimes I have a, a, a gist of a, of a plot. Sometimes it's just the characters and I just write to see what happens. Um, but with all books, you know, the more I know the characters, the further I get, then it's like, oh, wait, I need to go change the beginning because that doesn't fit them now. So it's, it's, it's a constant involvement. And I would love to say I have a rhyme or reason, but I don't. I, I mean, I used to outline really heavily and I've gotten to the point after 30 something books that, okay, here's what I think I'm going. Let's go there and see what happens, which is good and bad because sometimes plotting is much, makes your life much easier. At least we live in a world now, which, you know, I, especially with, with self-publishing and the ability to, um, to turn stories around so fast, it seems like it, like authors have a great tool in being able to go back and say, okay, well there, here's another, here's a bonus scene, or, you know, here's an extended epilogue that can come in a later book, or, you know, here's, here are two characters that were minor characters in a book that are going to get their own book now, because yeah. now I have ideas and it's so much, it seems like it's so much easier for authors to be able to give, to, to put those stories out into the world as opposed to traditional, tradi traditional publishing. Correct. Yeah, it definitely is. Except for, for me, like once I'm done with characters, it's hard to go back and get in their mindset again. Um, so like, as I'm writing, if I delete scenes, I just move them over to a different document and hold them there. So I have those, but, um, like people always say, oh, can you go back and write, you know, something for Colton and Riley my, from the Driven series? And I don't think I, like, I would have to go and reread the books mm -hmm. to get back in that mind for, even though, I mean, Colton's pretty prevalent, but, um, I'm not comfortable doing that because I'm afraid the sound would be off the tone, you know, their, their voice would be off. And then I, you know, tick someone off because this doesn't sound like him. Right. <laughs> That's so, it's so interesting to hear that because it's, it's, you know, the, I, I've heard over the years, I mean, I remember, I remember Anne Rice, uh, that's the one that stands out the most. She would talk about her characters basically, you know, living in her head and, and the voices coming out and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how each author has a relationship with certain characters and how they present themselves over the years. Yeah. And I will say, you know, writing the Driven books, there were five books on the same characters. So they were much more ingrained in my head mm -hmm. than other characters. And, you know, since then, the speed at which we have to write and publish has increased. Like in order to have visibility, you know, we need to write a book every and release every three to four months um, or else you kind of fall off the face of the earth um, in the self-publishing industry. So that doesn't give an for me personally, that doesn't give me enough to a lot as much time to fall in love with my characters as I used to, or to live with them as long as I did. You know, I lived with the driven characters for two years straight. Um, you know, now I write a book, I move on after a couple months. So I, I do find like the pace that we have set is a detriment to us authors because we don't get the chance to sit in their heads for as long as we used to. And to, you know, I, I would if I, I wouldn't publish books if I didn't love the characters that I'd written, but it's not mm -hmm. the same kind of connection that I would say I'd had when I first started, and there wasn't 
any expectation to get books out faster. So in that sense, I mean, it really sounds like, you know, the, the motivation to create series and multiple books within the same universe. I mean, it seems like that, that really is the way to go because, you know, a, a standalone would be great if you didn't feel like there was anything else to add to the story. Correct. I mean, that, that's such an interesting, an interesting shift, which again, it just speaks to kind of the marvels of self-publishing, you know, that you have the ability to, to make those decisions and just go with them as you, you know, as you see fit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and readers have specific, specific tastes. So you, you know, you, you do have people who like long drawn out series. You have people who only like standalones. You have people who like standalones in the same world. So, you know, we're always kind of throwing a dart against the wall and trying to see which one, what's going to stick. Um, but like, I do know after this, this series, I'm going to go back to like an old school trilogy and I, I want to, fall, you know, sit and take time with some characters again and see what happens. I love it. I love it. You know, it's, it's interesting with your, with your books, because for some reason, and I, I don't know how this happened, but for some reason, I've been reading a lot of hockey stories lately. I don't know. I, they just, I see it's There's a lot of hockey books out there. There are. Well, there's a lot of everything. I mean, it's, it's, I, I remember, I remember a friend of mine, a, a male friend of mine, you know, made the comment that, you know, if, if you can think it, there's a porn for it. Like that's just yep. the way of the world. And it's true for the romance side too. And, you know, which I don't want to make that, you know, that it's not, not saying that romance and I know porn what you are the mean, same yeah. thing, but I think it's important to make that distinction that there, it, and it's interesting because I, I had a conversation with the owner of the Ripped Bodice, uh, the mm -hmm. bookstore up in LA. Yeah. And she was talking about just the, the, the variety of stories, you know, that people would come in and, and she, or her, her whole motivation was to create a safe space. So people could come in and say, you know, I, I really want to read about an alien romance with, you know, some very aliens. unusual, yeah. unusual anatomy. And, you know, there might be a reverse <laughs> harem and there might be this, there might be that. And, you know, she, they actually have a, a no blink policy so that, you know, nobody, nobody is shocked by anything that anybody says it's more just like okay well here's here's what we have in our you know unusual anatomy section or you know whatever whatever the case may be and uh you know it's so it's it's really it's it's really amazing to think of how many how many stories are out there but when I think about that I circle back to your you know as you said you have you know over 30 books it seems like you've hit almost all of these things because the play hard series that that was the first time I'd ever read a hockey story and then, you know, go into all the different sports, which I uh -huh. love. That's one of, it's one of the things we have in common is a love for sports, but yes. it's so, you know, it's, it's just so great to have such a variety of, of characters and stories, but in also professions, which also play into all of these, these stories. Well, it's interesting because I get, I get a lot of comments from people in the industry um, that I don't have a niche, that I need to pick a niche and stick with it, um, that I would be more successful if I only wrote workplace romances, if I only wrote sports romances. And um, I find that boring. I, I want to vary. I want, because if I get, if I'm bored with what I'm writing, it's going to come through to the reader and to, in the story, it's not going to feel as in depth. So, you know, I personally, I love sports. So I have no problem writing sports series, you know, and I like all sports, uh, you know, I've written racing, baseball, hockey, soccer, you know, football, if you want to call that where, you know, if you're in the UK. Um, so I love being able to write and, and at the same time, the 
main focus of the book is the romance. It's not so much the sports, but it, the sports make the man or the woman too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can't, you know, you can't divorce, divorce the characters from that. But I, I like being diverse. I like having a lot of different things because I, I think I would just get bored if I had to stick with the niche. And, and like I said, I get like even my agent, like you don't have a, you know, you don't have a, a set footing in it. Okay. You know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's where it's going to be. But they, it, that's such an interesting thing because it, it seems, you know, and again, kind of going back to the, to the hockey thing, I've, I've, there was a point maybe a month ago where I read three different hockey stories in a row and they were all different with very different elements, very different, you know, different things. But my appreciation for them grew because they were all, you know, they were, they were so different, but they also had the this, this same common theme. I mean, yeah. I would think that that actually, you know, it, that speaks to your ability to bring these stories to life that, you know, you don't have to stick with any one, one element. You can, you can tell all of these different stories. I mean, you have police officers, firemen, um, you know, race car drivers and all of these different, you've such a, a wide variety, but you tell beautiful stories throughout. So I would think that would actually be a, a benefit, not, you know, yeah, that's, no. that's such a, thank you. But, you know, like, <laughs> for say, you know, for my agent's sake, you know, I, there's an author who's one of my friends, she has like in 10 book series of all hockey. So if someone likes hockey, they're going to read through. Um, and I get that. I get, you know, there's the business side of it, but once the business side takes over the creative side, then your quality goes down. So for me, it's more, I want to tell the story and then I'll worry about the marketing of it and how it fits in with my branding later, but I can't fit creativity to the business side. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And, and I mean, I think- for instance, this series, the last resort series, I tried for the first time to write the trends, you know, for one night stands alpha billionaire, that's really big. Um, and I, tr- and that was what my set out to do was, okay, I'm going to write the trend. I'm going to see if I can do it. And it's there, but it's still very Christy Bromberg, you know, it's still mm-hmm. very, okay, there's more levels to this person than what, you know, there's more layers to this person than what you think. There is a backstory. There is, you know, so I tried, but I still made it my own, I guess. Yeah, which I honestly, if Passion Flicks had a whole Christy Bromberg section <laughs> of movies, I would be all for that because it, it's the depth that your characters have. And, and I'm not, I'm not in the business of just saying things to people for the sake of saying them. I honestly, like I, I, you could write, you could do a whole college course on how you develop your characters because they're just, they're so different from like reading a Christy Bromberg story is so different than reading anything else. I mean, and I think that's, that's what I think is so, it's so wonderful. I mean, about the the irony in that comment is I've never taken a writing class in my life. I've never read a book about writing. So it's just <laughs> all from reading, you know, it's just all from reading prior to writing you know, this is what I like in a character. This is what I think pacing is like. So, I mean, it just goes to show you if you love, if you love what you do, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I completely understand. And I think that that makes, it's so interesting because, you know, even then, I mean, it, when you read, there are people who, you know, they go to their, they have masters in creative writing and they have all of, you know, everything's so perfectly plotted. And sometimes and I'm not saying this, this isn't a blanket statement, but there are some books where you can tell that it's been so meticulously plotted that it loses 
the element of surprise. Like it, yeah. and, and, you know, people, people have said, you know, of, of say a Hallmark movie where, you know, oh, it's so predictable. And it's like, well, no, the only thing you can really predict in a Hallmark movie is that it's going to end up happy. There's yeah, no happy ever after. Yeah. It, it doesn't really, you don't know what's going to come in the middle of it. And I, I think there's something to that. I mean, the, the authenticity that comes from someone who genuinely enjoys writing for the sake of writing is, Well, and that's also what self-publishing has done. You know, there used to be, you had to follow this pattern of romance has, you know, they meet, they resist, you know, they have a little happy time, then there's something that breaks them up, then they get back. There used to be a strict format to romance writing and um, independent self-publishing has allowed us to break out of that mold and to kind of do what we want. Like I know when I submit things to my agent to to go to traditional publishers, She's like, oh, this this is sounds way too indie. You need to like change it so that there's more backstory in the beginning and they don't meet right away. And it's like, it's so weird for me that there's such a pattern that the traditional publishers want versus what we as indie authors want to write. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that, you know, that's an interesting point because that's something that I've, you know, as I've come to 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 embrace the passion flux community over the past few years, that's something that that I've noticed even within you know, people say, well, why, why aren't there more romance movies being, you know, adapted from books? And, you know, there's so many romance books out there. Wouldn't you think that, you know, it's, it's, it would translate more. And, and really there's so much resistance in Hollywood to bringing so many, some of these stories to life, even though, you know, everybody points to Bridgerton and says, you know, well, look, there's, there's one. And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, there's one, you know, like it's, it's very unusual for, romance novels to be adapted in the way that passion flicks does and which you know is is so wonderful that they exist and i i can't think of of not i i can't imagine a world that doesn't have driven as you know they filmed oh, the way it was you know like i mean not only brought to life but filmed in the way it was with the readers in mind yeah. yeah with the readers in mind which doesn't lose anything because it's filmed you know instead of instead of saying, um, you know, here's a 90 minute film, we get a whole season of, you know, of a per book. And it's just, it allows the book to come out in such a, a beautiful way. And I also think that has to do with passion flicks, allowing the authors to be so involved. Mm-hmm. You know, we know what our readers like, we know the lines that are going to get them. We know, oh, you can't take this scene out. And they're very receptive of that. So, um, that process in itself, in and of itself was, was great just because, you know, reading the script over and over and I'm going, okay, this line's hitting weird, or this line's going to sound weird from a book to a movie. I want to take that out. Okay. Or even on set for um, the second season, there was a line that reads really good on the page. And Michael, who played Colton was like, I was on set one day and he was like, God, I hate this line when he was rehearsing it with um, Bex. And I'm like, I hate that line too. I just kind of piped up. He goes, you do? <laughs> because do you, he goes, I've already tried to get Tosca to take it out. I'm like, I'll, I'll get it taken out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but it's just, you know, there was, there's a, there's the ability for the author to step in and we could be as involved or uninvolved as we wanted to be. And it was, it was great because they're so, they have such a, a mindset of getting, you know, making it right for the readers with these books that they know by heart. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I have nothing negative to say at all about the process. Does it change, you know, having, having gone through this process and, and, you know, by all accounts, it's, it's been such a journey because of the pandemic and how things were stretched out and, you know, Mm -hmm. how long 
the wait from season one to season two was, but then have two and three film at the same time. And three is finally coming in May. Um, we've been on this journey watching Colton and Riley's story, you know, come out on, on screen. But does, you know, having gone through this process as an author, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, hearing lines translate from page to yeah. screen. Does it change the way you write story? You know, the, the, do you think about lines? Do you hear them differently as you're writing now because of this process? Um, not so much that I would change lines, but I learned you can say more with less, if that makes sense. You know, Driven was my first book I ever wrote. And if I... I would love to go through and clean it up and change it, but I, readers would kill me um, because there's a lot of repetition, you know, as my editors say now, and I get it now, you know, you're beating your readers over the head. You don't need to like say it 20 times. Um, so there are things I would let, I would clean up if I could go back, but at the same time, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, but now, you know, reading a script and there's a lot, you know, it's a, a lot less words in a script than there is a book. And you're like, you got it all across. I remember when I first got the script, I'm like, there's no way this isn't the book. It's only 90 pages and how, and then, you know, Tosca's like, well, they've all read the book. Like they know that the 10 pages you wrote about what they're, the looks they're giving each other, they know that how to do it. So it does, it, it does, did show me to, you can say more with less. Um, I don't necessarily change lines, but you know, back when Driven was written, it was before the Me Too movement. And there were a lot of lines um, as an alpha male that the main character said that we did take out because they wouldn't come across really well. Um, and so, I don't know, it's a different time. I think we all evolve and write differently as time, you know, change. So, I mean, I think it's just maturity too, you know, that didn't really answer your question, but we'll just go with it. No, no, it, it absolutely did. And, and it's so, I mean, I know for in conversations I've had with, with fellow fans, it's, it's so interesting when you hear, when you hear the lines spoken, I mean, obviously when you read, you know, a lot of times we, we think them, mm -hmm. but to have them, you know, in front of you and, and to see it come to life, it's such an interesting juxtaposition to see yeah. how, you know, if somebody said those things to you or if they did those you know if those things happened I'd be like see ya <laughs> I mean you know my theory going into it is I I cut a lot of some of the most quoted lines when I did when we did the script for for the first movie or the first series because they were great lines in a book but out loud man they just would have come off wrong and so my theory going into it was after like the five fifth read through of the script, I was like, okay, we're cutting them. And I like almost had a panic attack. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get, you know, reamed by the readers. I don't have this in there. But my theory was I would rather have readers be mad at me that I, that I cut a few lines versus watch it in five minutes in there's a cheesy line and they don't watch it. So, um, there is a, it's definitely different mediums to, to watch and, you know, and to consume a novel turned into a film. So I think, you know, I just think every, every author who does, who goes through this process with them has different opinions of it. And that was just my take on it. Mm -hmm. Now that you've been through this process, if Tosca were to come to you and say, Christy, what book would you like to be made next? We're mm -hmm. going to make, we want to do another one. Which one, do you have one that you, that's kind of front and center that you would like to see developed more than others? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I know readers are, are already have pushed for slow burn and eight, you know, the rest of the driven series. Um, that's always a hot topic. I actually think my um, standalone sweet cheeks would be a cute one. It's a baker. He's a Hollywood movie star. It, I mean, it would have a, the cute. I could see it more visually in my head. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of mine are sports, so that's that's harder to film. So I mean, I'm looking at it from standing with you know Tosca direct as she directed it. You look at it differently than I would have before. Like I'm thinking feasibility on how to how what could make things work easier, and I think that one would be a good cute one to come to life. Oh, I love it. I think, and that's, it's so interesting to hear you say that, that, you know, the selection from having been through the process, because it, it, you know, one of the things that I, the, you know, passion flips is, is going is especially now that the pandemic's over, they're making so many things and, you know, all the things they had options. I mean, they're just, they're just plowing through this yeah. material and sports is something that they, they haven't really, really done, you know, I mean, like, yeah. now it's, it's kind of about, you know, how do we push the boundaries and, and get into all of the well, new, you know, just during filming, you know, we have an indie car, we're on a track, you know, we have the drones and then we have the half the fire department out there because the drones are, it's the FCC in the air, you know, or yeah. whatever it was, I don't know what, you know, they can only be so high in the air. It's, you know, it's the amount of people it takes behind the scenes is what fascinated me. And I mean, we were a small set, so I can't even imagine what a big production would be. Um, but, you know, there is any time you're outside, there is major elements you're working against. You know, we did one scene and I swear the trash can, tr the trash truck came every five seconds we'd have to cut. There was another scene where we had frogs. It was nighttime and the frogs would not shut up. And so all the production crew are have flashlights on the frogs because they would stop with the, when the flashlights went on, they would stop, you know, riveting or whatever it's called croaking. And it was, I mean, it was just interesting to be on the other side of it. And even for now, when I watch them, I don't think about what I'm watching. I think about everything that was happening behind the scenes. Oh, interesting. So it gives, it's just a different perspective, but yeah, when, if I would have to pick, I mean, sports would be really hard to mm -hmm. film because you have to film action, right. you know? Yeah. yeah. You have to film a home run when yeah. you need a home run. You're like. Yeah, and you can't, not, buy easy to you can't buy the footage, you know, you have to have it. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's such an interesting thing. I never, it never, I mean, I, it, now that you say it, it makes perfect sense yeah. because yeah, wow. I mean, this is a little off topic, but did you huh? hear that F1 racing is coming to Las Vegas? I just got a text from my mom before this saying, <laughs> okay, we're going. <laughs> I like, just, I, I've I, already, you know, I put interest in, yes, yes. I'm, and I've actually de really debated writing an F1 series book. Um, cause everyone calls me the checkered flag girl as it is. Um, I would love to, the one thing I learned though, is that American readers, which is made most of my readership do not like books that aren't 60 to 70% taking place in the U S um, okay. and F1 I can't write an F1 book if it's not overseas, you know, in Monaco or somewhere. Um, so I'm struggling with that because I would really, really like to write a Formula One book. But I had a, I have a book called Hard Beat about a, a photojournalist and a reporter in Afghanistan. And the Penguin Books, who I wrote it for, was like, it's not going to sell well because it's not 50% in the U.S. And um I fought them on it. I was like, it was, you know, I, and it's to this day, it's my worst selling book. 
That's so interesting. That is so interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe it's not really, it doesn't even matter. I mean, I, the, the, where they are doesn't really play into it as much as you would think, but um, so yeah, so I would really like to write a Formula One book, an authentic one, you know, where they are, where they're traveling in between cities, mm -hmm. but I struggle with, would that work? Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's a sign. Maybe, maybe there's something that you could spin in with this Vegas thing and yeah. Or you know. off season. I mean, and that's why with Driven, I, I chose indie racing because NASCAR is so constant and they have to, you know, it's a weekly thing. It's a long season and indie car is less. So that's why I chose indie. Yeah. Well, this it, it's, it's, I, I have to say, I just, I having just driven to Las Vegas and, uh, right when you get, right when you get to where you can see the city, yeah, they're going to be racing. By, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, you have to drive by speed Vegas, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. and that might be what I do for my birthday this year. Cause I, I, oh, that's cool. I, I'm a little inspired, you know, I just, now I kind of want to know what it feels like to, yeah. I've always wanted to drive a hundred miles an hour, just a hundred. I don't even, I don't even need to do the, the fast speeds, but you know, having, having read the driven series, it's like, I kind of want to know what that's like, but I don't think I could actually do it. And you can actually tag along. They have, you know, you can, you can drive yourself can drive you. Yeah. You can choose a supercar and then you can drive it yourself or you can just be with someone else who drives it. And I was like, that's exactly what I would do is just, you drive me. I'll yeah. just sit back and enjoy the moment. Back, I'll sit back and have the white knuckles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Gosh. Well, another, th I mean, it, it, another thing that you and I have in common is our love for sports. So I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask you how you were feeling about it, it's, it's March 31st as we about chat right now. Yeah. And, and we're both in San Diego. So we both have, have our, our, uh, beloved Padres either. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard to say what we're, what's going to happen this season, but, but here I we would are. Really like if Tatis was healthy, but we won't go there. <laughs> um, you know, I've lived here my whole life, so we've always had mediocre teams. <laughs> Um, I mean, when, when the Padres went to the World Series in what, like 99, 2000? I don't even know when it was. Yeah, 98. And um, yeah, no, because I, I graduated college in 98. So it was after that, 2000 something, whatever it was. Um, I went to all those games and that was so much fun. Um, and then even, you know, with this new era of players that have come in, it's just, it's been fun to watch and fun to be a part of. So I'm hoping our little small club that has a really big salary now, it's not, it's not so little. Yeah, maybe, no, we can, not so little. maybe we can make a run for it. We'll see. Yeah, no, it, it would be, it would be so amazing to be able to have that. It, 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 but it's, it's, there's a reason that there's a hashtag that's so Padres, right? Cause it's yeah. just something always happens and you never, yeah, but never I mean, know. look at Tatis. He was out how many games last year and he still led everything. So I don't put it past him to come back and make a, make a statement. Yeah. In the meantime, yeah, no, maybe I'll hold it down and Cronenworth and everyone. So, yeah, that, that's my wish is that everybody plays so well that by the time he gets here, he's just adding and not, you know, yeah. we're not waiting around. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think we will. We did that last team. year when he was out. I mean, we mm -hmm. all, you know, so I don't know. It's just fun to have something for me. And for me, it's interesting. My teenage daughter who's 16, you know, doesn't want anything to do with mom, except for she will sit down and watch a Padres game with me. So oh, wow. that's kind of like my, my son has no desire, anything about baseball, but my 16 year old daughter will sit and watch 
I think Tatis has something to do with it, but we won't go there. Um, so that's our connection, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's such an exciting time to, uh, to be a fan and hopefully, hopefully we see something come out of this, but hopefully. yeah, so it's always hard. It's, it's that pre, the preseason dreams, right? I know we need something to reward us for having brown uniforms. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm looking at my season tickets. Uh, I have opening day ticket. Well, second opening day, we were supposed uh -huh. to be like on the actual, and now we're whatever that yeah. second weekend is. And there's just something about the exhilaration. And again, I have to say oh, yeah. like the, with, with, I think that's why I appreciate all of the sports books that you've done because you capture that so well. Like if you know sports, I mean, I, like, I honestly, like I have, I have told male friends of mine, like, Hey, you should try reading this because you would like it. Like, if you like football, you would like this story. Or if you like hockey, you would like this story and, and being able to capture yeah, the excitement. Well, and it's, but it's true. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true, but there's something, you know, I'm thinking about opening day excitement and, and, you know, your ability to capture those, those feelings and everything in, on the page are just amazing. So. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're so you're, it's just, yeah, you're, you're very welcome. So just to, uh, to wrap up and, and I do want to say for, for listeners, um, Christy did answer the 10 questions and those will be coming in an, in a, uh, an article. So you'll be able to, to, to see her answers to the inside the actor studio questions so we're not skipping that we're just doing it in a little bit different format but um christy when's when's the next book coming in the new series um it comes out hold on june 28th awesome awesome my daughter's birthday oh even more unexpected <laughs> and uh is there anything you can tease for that one um, this one is gonna, and I only know because I just finished it and I still got a lot of work to do on it. This one will be the older of the three triplets. Um, it will have a small town vibe. It will be second chance. And there's a little girl in it that will um, steal your heart. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Well, that now I just need to make it better. Now it's not like the last resort has that zinger of a like surprise. And so now mm -hmm. I need to find something to do to throw that in, in this one. So we'll see if I can do that. Oh, I know you can, I know you can. And just thinking that we'll have driven season three in May and then the new yep. book in, in June. I mean, that's just, that sounds great to me. Sounds good to me too. <laughs> Well, hopefully we'll be able to chat more about that, uh, you know, as we get closer and, and, um, this has just been so much fun. I've always wanted to have a conversation with you, you know, a deeper conversation. And so I enjoyed this so much and I can't thank you enough for joining me on the podcast today too. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, yeah. So anybody who, uh, if you haven't read the last resort, it's available now and it's the first book in a new series and it is. If you're a fan of Christy Bromberg's work, it has everything in it and more. So make sure you go out and get it. And uh, like I said, it's available now. So Christy, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, everybody.